Welcome to the Rough Puffs. I'm your host, Andrea Bennett. And I'm Kim Fu, and we're on Series 3, Episode 6, Puddings. Uh, We get to find out today just what exactly a British person means when they they say pudding. I'm lying, we don't actually. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, I did not come away (laughs) from the episode with that knowledge. Uh, One thing I wanted to bring up in the intro is, last episode we talked about not knowing what the audition process was, and so I've looked it up. Well, I've looked up what there is, and there's like a few interviews from 2017 three different contestants said that what you do is uh there's like a really long written questionnaire and then there's a really long phone interview and then there's a day you bring them two bakes so you bring them a sweet bake and a savory bake and then there's another day where you come in and like do a technical bake technical challenge in front of them in a commercial kitchen you send in your application in like october they might call you in december and then the filming is like the next april or may you know it's like a very very long very very intense process that doesn't surprise me. That makes sense to me. Do you think they vet people also, like, before they get on the show to make, to, in the age of, like, milkshake ducking? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think they, I think they probably go through your social media. Uh, people are saying that photos of your bakes play a big role now. So if you're someone who's, like, good at taking pictures of your bakes and putting them on Instagram and stuff, that'll be to your advantage. Um, and that a lot of it is sort of sussing out your personality and, like, what you'll be like on camera, too. Oh, dear. Well, this all sounds more and more like I'll never get to be on a bake-off. Yeah, that was going to okay. be my next question, is, like, how you thought you would do in this process. <laughs> like, if you uh, set the gluten thing aside, how do you think you would do? I told a conservative to fuck off on Twitter today, so I <laughs> think... <laughs> I think I have to live with my choices there. I don't. You think that would be disqualifying? Tell a conser- telling a conservative to fuck off if it was warranted. I don't know. So they haven't had a trans person on, up like on on a Bake Off yet, have they? I don't think so. If they want an inaugural trans person who's gonna sometimes tell people to fuck off on Twitter, you volunteer. And who can't eat can't eat gluten? I volunteer. We are so far afield. Okay, so we have a signature bake. Uh, <laughs> our signature bake is two different flavored sponges with two different accompaniments. And this is a pudding, I guess. Um, they're individual portions. Maybe that has something to do with what makes a pudding. They can be baked, boiled, or steamed. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Sue who says that sponge pudding is a quintessentially British dessert. And it consists of a light sponge, so like a sort of airy cake usually accompanied by a sticky topping, a custard, or ice cream. They have to make a dozen, six of one, six of another, and two different sauces. And John says if they can't, if they're not able to knock up a couple saucy puddings in two hours, then they don't deserve to be there. But then Sue says it's actually quite complicated to manage two bakes at a time, and we see that sort of unfurling in the tent. Sarah Jane is, like, quite overwhelmed. Um... Ryan, as per usual, is looking a little overwhelmed. Um, yeah, I mean, John and Brendan seem kind of on top of things, and James is his usual sort of, like, not really watching the clock self. I feel like it's it's hard to tell with this episode because I feel like they turned up the judging yeah. in this one. I feel like the judging was very, very harsh, uh, like, compared to the earlier episodes. So it was kind of hard to gauge how anyone actually did in the end with the tasting. And then I feel like because they were being harsh and nitpicky, Mary and Paul disagreed oh, yeah. a whole bunch this episode. Um, so, like, 
like I feel, and I feel like most of them had one good one and one bad one. Yeah. You know, so it's like very hard to say who yeah. did well. Um, Ryan makes chocolate fondants and a sticky ginger and date pudding. Um, he does something that's kind of weird. He uses self-raising flour, baking powder, and baking soda. Um, self-raising mm. flour is basically just flour and baking powder. So that's a bit of a curious choice, and it's something that um, Mary, again, has a problem with uh, and is wondering, like, what he's doing there. When they taste Ryan's, uh, they do comment on it. They say you can taste the raising agent after warning him at the beginning. I was wondering if you'd ever done that, if you'd ever put in too much raising agent. I haven't personally, but a family member of mine used to make banana chocolate chip muffins and not, like, quite like sift the never sift the baking soda and so <laughs> there used to be what we would refer to as like baking soda bombs in the muffins mm. from time to time i find it difficult to this day to eat like banana bread or banana muffins i don't quite trust them i know what it feels like to have <laughs> to get like a surprise mouthful of raising agent <laughs> i've done this uh, I've definitely put in too much raising agent into our recipe. It's because my parents didn't have uh, actual measuring implements in their kitchen when I was growing up. They didn't have measuring cups. They didn't have measuring spoons. What they would do is they would keep the spoon and cup that came with uh, medicine, uh, like with cough medicine. And I would use those for baking. And those are, <laughs> are just... Or, or the ones that come with a rice cooker. And all of those are sort of wildly arbitrary methods anyway so I've, I've used like a cough syrup spoon to measure what i thought was like a teaspoon of baking soda and it was or a ba- teaspoon of baking powder it was way way more <laughs> and you could and so i knew the taste they're talking about when they were saying like it's it's kind yeah, of metallic kinda like salty acidic metallic kind of thing mm-hmm. but chemically yeah. like yeah it's distinct yeah, unpleasant but again it's like it was like, you know, Ryan had one bad one. Like, they all had one yeah. bad one. You know, like, even even John, you were saying he seemed really on top of it. But um, his raspberry white chocolate one, Mary said, like, it's it's very solid from all the fruit and white chocolate. And then Paul said, just the cake part, he's like, it's so bland. It's like eating a bit of card, yeah. is how he put it. I think that those are pitfalls of making a of making cakes that have like white cho- white chocolate incorporated into them like it's easy once the white chocolate melts in for things to kind of solidify like that i've done that accidentally before i feel like you would have been better off making like some kind of sauce like a white chocolate kind of like fudge to pour on top yeah and then a raspberry sponge yeah you know some other i think it's with a secondary flavor there would have been tasty but yeah, oh well. His spicy toffee puddings were tasty though, and he infused his dates mm-hmm. in Lady Grey tea, which I think is Earl Grey tea with extra bergamot, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, it sounds tasty. Um, this is I felt like this challenge was like Brendan's wheelhouse. He actually said it wasn't. Like I agree, I agree. His uh, his rhubarb strawberry ginger ones looked very yeah. very good. Um. That would have been my pick. But uh, at the beginning, he said that puddings are not, like, are not his specialty. And because he, 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 he says he prefers a dessert over a pudding. And it's, like, not something he would serve people. Puddings are a dessert. This is, it confuses me. And they're, like, so traditional. And he's so traditional that I would have assumed that he would have had it down pat. So I found it surprising when he said that it wasn't his wheelhouse. The puddings look kind of homey to me. All, like, to me, yeah. they're... they're 
all they'd the be difficult to make seem all the puddings or like puddings inherently seem kind of homey to me like they're difficult to make look elegant like they're just they're more of a yeah, they're more of like a, a, a family traditional kind of dessert <laughs> feel to them. Um, and I think Brendan is more decorative than that. You know, he likes his desserts to be more elegant. That's true. I think that um, the walnut whips that uh, Catherine makes are, are interesting looking. Some of them manage to pull off puddings that look like reasonably nice. But you're right that in general... They're not, they're not like a clean, like well-decorated type of thing. They're kind of a little bit of a mess. Catherine's other pudding, wholly unappetizing to me, but it was sort of interesting how she like completed the dome of her um, second pudding with rice, rice pudding. (laughs) Yeah, Catherine's looked interesting, but they, I would again say they look kind of structurally unsound Mm. in a way that seems inelegant and then and then they just said they didn't sound good um they told her that they're very dry and that they would be good with a lot of ice cream they are generally supposed to be moist more moist than a regular cake they're kind of dense and moist and sticky um in general like i guess you can make them dry by over baking them although you do adding like uh toffee and cream is pretty standard i guess um, I think that the, the most interesting thing that we get in this challenge is probably the Clutie dumplings. <laughs> interesting, but unsuccessful, apparently. Yeah, it's funny watching him make them. He's like, all right, so I'm dusting the muslin with flour so that the Clutie dumplings uh, develop their flour skin when I boil them. Um, and then he says, like, oh, you know, these things, are they're such a safe bet because they're just so good. Right after he's told us that mm-hmm. he's developing a flower skin on the outside of the Clutie dumplings. And I guess I'm just not the target audience for that um, particular uh, series of descriptions and then, and then the summary. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if flower skin is, is exactly drawing me in. But he doesn't get his flower skin either. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. They st- they stick. Well, in the shots of him pulling it out, they look extremely sloppy. Yeah. Um, they just they don't they they look they don't have a coherent structure or shape. They just look like kind of like they look like they're just gonna fall apart again. But then in the final shots in the tasting, they did look like they had solidified and come together somehow. They when he's taking them out of the muslin and I'm sorry this is gross. It looks like if you stick gauze on a wound and then try to mm, remove the yeah. gauze off of the wound later is not yeah. appetizing in the least. Maybe they're I mean they're shot full of fruit, so that is actually something that I like. Um my um, main point of reference was my mother-in-law makes uh sweet pierogies oh so she makes pierogies but they're filled with like oh, a sweet blueberry filling oh, okay and that's th- that's what i was picturing the whole time it's like that's what i think of a boiled boiled sweet dumpling i would ha- if i was if i had to guess i would guess that he did not let his water get hot enough before he dropped them in but mm, that makes sense yeah but having never made a Having never heard of a Clooty dumpling, which he affectionately refers to as Clutes while he's working on them. <laughs> That's just a guess. Um, Mary points out that they're Scottish and how she loves that basically everything James brings is Scottish. 
including his sweaters. She's in a good mood for signatures. She must like puddings. She likes the family-friendly dessert. I feel like she's very sweet this whole episode. Um, I think, again, because it's it's reaching a certain crisis point. Um, There's a lot of... And also, I think everyone seems really emotional in this episode, and I think she's trying to kind of reel them back. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of people make sticky toffee puddings. It seems like Brendan's done a good job of his, but then he blowtorches his toffee, and and the sugar crystallizes. Um, But they do like his creme anglaise, um, which goes on his rhubarb and strawberry uh, puddings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Sarah Jane, uh, she does her grandma's saucy lemon puddings. And Mm -hmm. she also does a sticky toffee pudding. And they like her sticky toffee pudding, but they do not love her lemon thing, which they call a souffle. They say the lemon... They said it's a souffle, not a pudding, and the lemon doesn't come through. Um, again, it's, everybody has one good one. I feel like this this the signature didn't really help the judging, sort of. Do you think that if the lemon had come through strongly, that it would have been okay that she made kind of a souffle? Because I also personally feel like, like I would have guessed that the saucy lemon puddings were puddings. You know what I mean? Like if I was choosing, she to she make served them, them in. In the ramekins. I feel like that's a no-no with the with puddings, right? Like, you have to dump it out. It has to stand on its own. I think her cake, her, the, some of the problem with it is that you sort of were meant to eat it in the tin, and that's not a pudding. Right. The, um, you, I think that you generally like butter and flour, this type of thing, because it is, and we see that too, like some people have turnout problems. They kind of get stuck in their little mm-hmm. pudding tins. Which that happens to James. I don't know if, um... I don't own pudding tins. <laughs> Do North, I don't even know like what percentage of North Americans versus Brits would own pudding tins. I would doubt they're even that easy to find. Like I, I'm sure it's not easy to buy pudding tins in North America. Yeah. Oh, I, just one more thing that Mary says. Uh, so Danny. Oh, we didn't talk about Danny's and her shoes. Yeah, she dropped hers on her what looked like very, very new Converse sneakers. And she's so mm-hmm. gutted about it. And Mary says, accidents happen only too often in my kitchen. And Paul and Mary are, are nice about her puddings. I think Paul says that one of them is slightly overbaked. But in general, they're really positive and they, they're kind to her. And it helps because she was really sad. She had stress hives, mm-hmm. like, notably, when she took them out of the oven. And then when during the talking heads, like, her whole neck and face had had stress eyes broken out on them oh, no. but yeah it was it was very tragic to watch them hit her shoe like that uh, and then we get a whole bunch of sheep shots uh so the technical is the queen of puddings and s- something i want to bring up about it right from the job is that you were very against this dessert i don't know i don't think it's made it into any of the episodes but i have cut you talking in other episodes <laughs> about how you hate the queen of puddings, how it's the worst thing ever, how you refuse to make it, how it's like a thing you remember from this season. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of audio on the cutting room floor about Andrea hating the queen of puddings. And now we're finally here. And I can ask you why. Um, before we go on to that, there's, we feel like there's no clear winner in the signature, right? Like it's the grab bag mm-hmm. and everyone. Okay. Um, is there a signature pudding you'd most want to eat of what you saw? Yeah, I, I said that already. Oh, it dude. would be Brendan's. His, Brendan's rhubarb oh, strawberry right, ginger right, right. with the perfect creme, creme anglaise. I missed that. How about you? I don't think I have one. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's like one Uber pudding in my head. I was thinking about this. Like this, I like this episode for for the for the social like for the people part of it more than I like it for the bake mm. part of it. But let me complain about Queen of Puddings. So, <laughs> a lot. Queen of Puddings is layers of baked custard and jam topped with a chewy meringue. We did have a mm-hmm. we had a tiered meringue dessert earlier this season, right? Um, it is, these types of things are texturally intensely unappealing to me. But you made a creme caramel this, this season already. I don't know if you remember, but I did not like the creme caramel. I fed them all to my child. Mm. <laughs> what about the jam and the meringue makes it worse, I guess is what I mean. Oh, I, I, I actually like the, I like custard. And I like jam, and I like meringue, like, separately. I like all of those things mm. separately. But one of the pitfalls of this particular dessert is that it can become a big mess rather than being in distinct layers. Um, mm-hmm. And in my head, it is just the mess. Like, I, mm. I just feel like there should be some kind of, there should be something that is, like, harder or crunchier or something separating all of these like mm. soft uh puddingy textures but i mean they do they put again they put breadcrumbs in a yes that is very off-putting <sighs> to me. so and that helps stiffen the custard so that you can get your layers but yeah no it's just this is just not my type of thing and sometimes there's also this like floating island style that you can do this <laughs> Where you actually have the little meringue islands like floating on the rest of it. Oh gosh, no. It just is like, it looks like dessert soup. It's just not my thing, texture wise. There's a shot of uh, John when he's making the custard where he like, he puts in the breadcrumbs and then pours the custard on top following the recipe. And then he kind of stirs it around with his middle finger, yeah. <laughs> like watching the breadcrumbs <laughs> suck it up. And my thought was that it looks like a bodily fluid is all I could think of. And then I wanted to ask you, like, is there a legitimate use for breadcrumbs in sweet baking? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess what we've seen are legitimate uses, but just not like the things no, that, no. I mean, they're, they're just things that don't appeal no. to us. I mean, that don't result in like a wet bread texture, I guess yeah. is what I mean. Like that do something else. So if I found myself on Chopped, and I had to, and like there was a hot dog bun or something in my dessert basket. Maybe you could blitz mm. that into breadcrumbs and use it to kind of make some kind of graham cremish type of thing. You'd have to mix a few other things in there and, and blind bake it, like press it into like a springform tin mm. and blind bake it. But, like, then, I mean, I'm on Chopped in this instance. <laughs> like, yeah, you're still not voluntarily <laughs> using breadcrumbs. Um, yeah, and then I guess, I don't know. I wonder if there's something, like, we use bread to make French toast, which is arguably, you know, desserty. But is there, like, a bread crummy mm-hmm. thing you could do that would be like that? I don't know. Oh, you know what? Okay, I would enjoy them as a breading to deep fry something. Oh, yeah. Like, to, to do make tempura ice cream. I think that would be a genuine use. Yeah. But th- but this this type of use, like, where you're having it absorb liquid, I'm not into it, I think. 
Yeah, I would just rather see something like a trifle where you have an actual sponge in there that is like retaining mm. its sponginess rather than being like absorbed. Yeah, or like whole lady fingers yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. Like whole lady fingers or like whole shortbread cookies, like something. But yeah, just breadcrumbs that are meant to suck up fluid. I think yeah. that's very gross. Um, when they're, before they start the technical, when they're showing what it is and they're eating Mary's, Paul makes a noise, which he's never done before, on, on, or at least not on this season, where he tastes it and he makes like, this guttural, like, mm, <laughs> sound, which is, like, not something Paul does. And all he says is, like, well, that's all right, isn't it? You know, something like that. But it, I just thought that was interesting. It's like, that is the first time we've gotten that kind of reaction out of him. They always, ch- uh, they, they eat the technical like this, like, prior to the bakers making it so that we get this sort of platonic ideal of what the technical challenge is. And mm. I sort of wonder, like, there must be things that are served, at least to Paul, that he does not like, because we know, one thing we know about Paul is that there's lots of stuff he doesn't like. And so I sort of found myself wondering if this was one of his, like, faked reactions. He'd have to fake reactions in the technical, right? Or for this, like, pre-technical moment. Because they're supposed to be like, ooh, this is so tempting, no matter what it is. I feel the opposite. I feel like a lot of times at the beginning of the technical... Paul tries it and then he like compliments it in a technical way. Mm-hmm. He says like, oh, like I see why this would be really difficult and this is very impressive and it'd be difficult to achieve this. And he's talking like in his like usual rational Paul way. <laughs> and I assume that is like because he doesn't want to address whether or not he actually likes it. But I think this one, he was having like a ratatouille moment, you know, or like a, you know, like a, like a madeline moment where it you know if this is was his like favorite childhood dessert or something and so like he couldn't say anything about it he was just like mm. so this one is the genuine reaction so um, yeah I, a few of them struggle with their meringues which is weird to me because i've never found a meringue difficult it's not like a caramel which is actually like super easy to burn um because the difference between it being like fully done and burnt it's like not that much of a difference so if you're cooking it on a kind of like a higher heat it's really easy to to have it turn um meringues aren't really like that but it is a yeah i mean so ryan decides like oh well i it is what it is i'm using what i've got and danny decides to redo hers so that is kind Mm -hmm. of interesting mary's conclusion is that they didn't go far enough and they were both worried that they had gone over yeah that was interesting to me the i think that the problem is that the the result is the same either way so it's kind of hard to say but but yeah i don't know having made meringues a bunch of times now um like you get the egg whites foamy and then you add in your sugar and then you beat it for a while and like you can kind of tell by the marks that are being like left in the meringue or the way the meringue starts to change when you're gonna start getting soft peaks and then you can kind of just check I don't know just check as they're getting stiffer and glossier it's as far as like technical things it doesn't feel it's not that hard it I don't know not that hard to me I do think jam Mm -hmm. is I think jam is harder a soft set jam is harder they do struggle with it um, John messes up his jam and he says Mary's gonna slap me in the face with mm. this one <laughs> and who oh I guess oh James overbakes his so that the custard breaks and it's a soupy yes. mess 
Okay, I will say though. So they, so the show and the judging, they they go in on James for this, right? For his his custard splitting, but to me, and this might go back to your problem with the Queen of Puddings. All the custards look kind of bad. All of the custards yeah. look kind of, and I think it was just because once you start eating it and the the meringue and the jam get mixed into it, it it kind of breaks the texture of the custard, right? Yeah. But. While they were eating, like the shots of the the close-ups of the custard, all of the custards looked bad to me. They all looked like they had distinct particulate. In yeah, them <laughs> that I, I think is is a problem of of just like the dessert inherently, like of these things mixing together. Yeah, and I guess the breadcrumbs they make the custard. Yes. Oh god. They have the custard either finished baking, they they cook it in the oven. I like to do a stove top custard or pudding or whatever. It, it's just, like, so much easier to tell when it's done. Like, I don't know. A nice thing mm-hmm. about putting stuff in the oven is you just, like, bung it in the oven and leave it there until it's done. But it's hard to tell mm-hmm. with things like custard. Um, and I don't know if they gave them, like, a big temp. But it is the type of thing where, like, you know, and when you make a mac and cheese, if you cook it too hot in the oven, your Mornay will split. And it'll kind of mm-hmm. end up being greasy. I would assume it would be the same for custard. So if you... Did it at like I don't know three seventy five, or whatever. Maybe that's how you split it. I don't really know. He says at the end, uh, it's it's not very nice to be bottom. <laughs> and um, my partner JP, who was watching with me, said, uh, "Don't knock it till you try yeah. it." Anyway, <laughs> um, but okay. So what what is the secret to soft set jam? Because Brendan Brendan says. Uh, like, that's, like, one of the benefits of age is just sort of sensing when, like, when jam is done, and that's... Well, like, a normal jam, you have it on the back of the spoon, and you can, like, run a finger or something through it and then have it hold that gap, like, really well. Mm-hmm. A soft set is just, like, a looser version of that. So the way that he's sort of seeing is he's putting it on the inside of a bowl. But the thing about jam is that... Um, it's like hot state is different than it's cooled state. Um, mm-hmm. So so you're checking it at its hot state, hoping that it will, you know, travel until it's a cool state the way that you're expecting it to. And it's so that it's just a bit tricky. It, it is something that takes like a bunch of experience. I've made jam a number of times, but... Um, it is, it's easy to leave it too loose or, and it's easy to kind of overdo it depending on how your anxiety is doing on any given day. <laughs> it's just, it's something you tend to make like in the summertime, like once a year, right? You're not making it all the time in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like when you have a glut of fruit. So by the time next summer runs around, it's like, is this coating the spoon? Is this leaving its shape? Maybe I should leave it a little longer, hmm. a little longer. Oh, maybe it's fine. I don't really know. Also, for this purpose, it has to be a really perfect level, right? It has to be, you have to be able to spread a thin layer of it across custard without it sinking into the custard, um, but without it being so stiff that you can't spread it. That seems very hard. Like, it, like if your jam is going on a piece of toast, it doesn't have to be that precise. Yeah, I think that the jam is the hardest part of this challenge. And, and figuring mm. out how long to leave your stuff in the oven so that you have a nice toasty meringue, but that your uh, custard doesn't split. So, oh well. So number one is Brendan. Number two is Danny. So her redoing her meringue worked out well for her. Um, Ryan is the mm-hmm. second worst, unfortunately, and everybody else is middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Ryan says, uh, 
you know, he's been here before. He knows how to yeah. come back. Which, which I, which I appreciated. Yeah. I think that is, a, that is a good attitude. Um, Sarah Jane also mentioned, mentions how you often look at the technicals and they seem very doable. You know, you, she like, you look at them and you're like, oh, I know how to make meringue. I know how to make jam. I know how to make custard. This will be fine. And then you get into it and it's just a nightmare, <laughs> which I can totally see. Yeah. I think that, and this happens with Sarah Jane in the, um, in the signature, she's used to like a really chill style of home baking. I don't think she's used to, uh, to like t- the time management aspect of things that comes if you've, if you've ever even had like a job at Tim Hortons or something or... Mm-hmm. you know, whatever, where you're um, just, like, trying to get chits out or trying to serve people. So all of this fun, it tends to overwhelm her, which is fair enough. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about how, like, you know, up to that point, the most exciting she done was come, on the train, yeah. come <laughs> by train by herself. Uh, so, yeah, I think she's not used to a lot of different kinds yeah. of time pressure. She does have a, she has a bunch of kids, though, right? At least two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's overwhelming as hell, I think, personally. That's true. true. (laughs) Speaking of kids being overwhelming, um, should we talk about your baking for this week? made sticky toffee pudding because so many people made sticky toffee pudding and um and you don't know what a sticky toffee pudding is i did not know what a sticky toffee pudding was until this episode yeah we had twitter vote on it and this is what they landed on (laughs) so i'm gonna send you uh we were talking about this earlier and i asked my dad because i couldn't remember i asked my dad if i'd ever had a sticky toffee pudding And he said that I would have at my Grandma Garcia and Grandma Ralph's house and that we would have eaten it out of a tin probably like before or after playing this card game we always used to play called New Market, which I've also like never seen another North American play. Um, So I'm going to send you a, a picture of tinned sticky toffee pudding and I also have um, a bonus uh, canned pudding picture that I have added. Yeah, so I'm okay, so I'm familiar with the the spotted dick. It is the, <laughs> the can spotted dick. That is a you know that's that's been an internet meme oh. for like the the length of time of the internet. Um I'm also familiar with the whole can chicken. That's another one yeah. of those of those like British things. Um but yeah, sticky toffee. Okay, so also the picture of the can of sticky toffee you just sent me is remarkably generic. Like it looks very similar to the spotted dick can in that they look so mysterious. Like the the label just has sort of a generalized texture behind it. Like you would not know what the fuck was in this can yeah. <laughs> without information. Like if you didn't know what a sticky toffee was and sticky toffee pudding was and someone put this can in front of you, you would not have gained any information. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a Heinz can. And, and they're both kind of like a taupey brownie uh, shades, um, plus this, like, blue label. So that is, like, other than the shape of the tin, which is kind of short and stout, um, the cans could be, they could be full of baked beans. Like, that's what I associate <laughs> Heinz with, is baked beans. But anyway, so I would have eaten this uh, out of the tin. Um, generally, you warm a sticky toffee pudding up, and you serve it with a... Uh, pouring cream which 
Does, does any other culture use pouring cream? <laughs> Baked goods should not come in aluminum cans. Like, they just shouldn't. I'm against <laughs> it. Um, I'm imagining, like, the texture of Spam or, like, the... Not the texture, the pour of spam. You know, when you dump oh, out glue. spam from the can. Uh, not, not, no, like the the way spam comes out of the tin, <laughs> that process. You know, the way it sort of slumps out uh, and it like retains the shape and it's like shiny and wet. I love spam. But that experience and then it's like, it's a cake. I can't, I can't. <laughs> it, uh, it's not, so let me explain how to make the, sticky toffee pudding and like what its deal is so uh first you start off by soaking dates in boiling water um and the I did a I did the BBC's recipe for sticky toffee pudding I decided to just like cleave close to the source on this one so you soak uh I think 225 grams of dates and 175 milliliters of boiling water and you you don't over soak it like sometimes you soak um, uh, like raisins or whatever, if you're going to put them in muffins, it doesn't matter how much boiling water you're putting on for this recipe. It does because the water and the dates are going to go into the batter and then you make your batter. So you just cream together butter and sugar. You add egg, you add molasses, you add in flour. Uh, it calls for self-raising flour. I don't have that. So I use two leavening agents. I use baking powder uh, and baking soda and I weighed out my baking powder so that it was like equivalent to the self-raising flour like mixing the flour and the baking powder together I see yeah. um and then yeah you kind of mix things in you get to a stage where when you're mixing in the flour you, you're also adding 100 milliliters of milk and you kind of do it in stages like bit of flour bit of milk bit of flour bit of milk and then you end up with something the recipe says it will now look kind of like curdled. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that in one of your process pictures is there's a there's a stage where it looks like something curdled with milk poured on yeah. top. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> oh yeah, that's when uh, Sinclair was dumping the milk in uh, for me. Sinclair baked alongside with me and it was um, it's. I feel like I need to be an octopus every time I bake something that's not like peanut butter cookies with my kid because I'm like trying to focus on the thing that I'm baking and I'm also I need just like some extra limbs to make sure she's not like uh, licking the butter directly or like putting her face in the blender or you know whatever it is that is like yeah. the thing that's not supposed to be happening. Um, I mean, we've been ten intentionally giving you bakes that require like a lot of attention <laughs> and precision as you go to. Yeah, it has at points been a bit of a nightmare. Anyway, so then you put the dates in um, and you spoon the batter into um, ideally pudding tins. Uh, I just had ramekins. How did you feel about the choice between ramekins and muffin tins? Um, given that you don't have pudding tins, which are sort of neither of those things. Yeah. I I wasn't sure about it to begin with. I was just like, all right, we'll give this a try. Because the pudding tins tend to be kind of like taller. Ramekins are kind of shorter and flatter. So this is supposed to make seven puddings, and I ended up using the ramekins to make six puddings. Um, but yeah, in an ideal world, I would have had those like I don't know, sort of more fluted pudding tins. But the muffin tins would have been too small. 
Um, okay. But they're metal, which is the other. Are fluted, but they're not. Yeah. They're not tall enough and they're just kind of too small. And it would have okay. been, well, no, it would have been the same to turn them out, except I would have had to turn them all out at once. I guess I probably would have cut around <laughs> and like put something on top and flipped it. Anyway, so yeah, I baked them in the oven. I went on the longer side of the require of the suggested bake time because because I had put them in six ramekins rather than seven tins. See, I think this is an important tip for our North American audience oh. is that you can use fewer <laughs> ramekins. It, and that's a better choice over muffin tins. Like, because they're not going to have pudding tins either, I right? I guess, you, yeah, I don't know. You could make it work in a muffin tin if you baked it for a shorter period of time. But I didn't do mine in a water bath. The recipe didn't call for a water bath. But if you're doing them in muffin tins, you have more surface area. And so you're going to get more, like, crust and less part of the sticky toppy pudding that is the center part that is, like, moist and yada yada. But mm-hmm. you're pouring the toffee on anyway. So So anyway, you make the toffee which is butter, sugar, uh, molasses, and double cream. And you use half the double cream with the molasses, sugar, and butter. Uh, and then you pour in the other half, like, once you take it off the heat. When the sticky toffee cup puddings come out of the oven, you turn them out into a baking dish that you have poured half the toffee into on the bottom. Oh, I didn't realize that from your pictures. Yeah. And so then you set the you set the sticky toffee puddings in on the top of that toffee, and then you pour the other half of the toffee toffee on top. And um, ideally, I guess you can like let them sit for a day to absorb a, a bunch of that toffee. Oh, um, and that's what makes them like sticky, sticky. Um, and then in the recipe, it was like, okay, and then the next day you warm them for 15 minutes through in the oven. And I was like, that is what the microwave is for. 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> uh, so, and then, and then you serve it with quote unquote pouring cream, which we have been doing. And I did not remember ever eating a sticky toffee pudding. So my first bite, I was very curious about like what it would be like. And I was expecting something... Um, like a black cake or like a uh, like a molasses cake, um, spice cake type thing. It wasn't like that at all. Um, it was like a bran muffin. That's what I imagined. <laughs> That's exactly the texture I imagined. It's a bran muffin texture, like a bran muffin in sauce. Okay, I'm really shocked by the step of leaving them overnight to absorb the toffee that was not what I was imagining I was imagining a bran muffin and like hot from the oven and then you take like hot hot like well I was picturing butterscotch actually like (laughs) hot butterscotch sauce and you poured it on top of a bran muffin that was exactly what I was imagining like somehow that that soaking step really I don't know it like really changes what I was expecting it to be like yeah, you still do get some sauce, but it's not nearly as saucy because the sauce is reabsorbed into the pudding, which does make for a nice texture. It's kind of like a nice soft texture, but it, it is weird. It's like this, um, it's an indulgent bran muffin <laughs> that you eat with cream, which like at first when they were like, pour the pouring cream on, I was like, ooh, that's this, what is it, coffee? And then I realized like, oh, uh, well, we do eat ice cream with stuff. So it's not that different. 
But the pouring cream is unsweetened, right? Like it's, it's unsweetened. Just... But you because it's mixing in with the other stuff, it doesn't matter. I also don't enjoy an unsweetened whipped cream. I like a little bit of sugar in my whipped cream. Okay, so pouring cream is just cream, like you would it's put just in cream. coffee. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's a it's a like thirty. What was it? Thirty three percent. This doesn't sound good to me. I'll be <laughs> honest. I. You know, indulgent bran muffin that's like soaked in the 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 caramel with just plain cream, like you'd put on coffee, pour it on it with more. I don't know. This is not something I would choose. I think. I liked it. I don't know. I think that I will make it again, but I'll make it for my family. Like the next mm. time I go back, I like because it'll be sort of nostalgic for them. And I don't mind indulgent brand. I will take indulgent brand muffin or over um, creme caramel any day. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> Maybe I'll save them from the tin version at Christmas time <laughs> or something. So, okay, so that makes sense to me, like serving it to your British family and being like, look, it's better than the one that comes from a can. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, you're... You're going to have to make this for me, I think. I've decided. Okay. Because I because I can't... I feel like everything else you've made on this show, I take your word for it. You know, you're like, it was good. And I'm like, I believe you. Um, this one is like, it's just, it's really hard for me to get on board. And I really want to eat it now. <laughs> okay, deal. Showstopper. They are making strudels, which um, I did for half a second consider making a strudel because they look delicious like super appetizing and who doesn't love a flaky pastry but you have to get the strudel pastry pastry so thin and a couple people do this that you can like see the pattern of the tablecloth that you're working on Mm -hmm. underneath the pastry and so I knew that it was just going to be absolutely impossible to do that gluten-free I love that Brendan brought his own like you know rose cloth (laughs) And said, you know, when you can see the rose pattern through it, that's when you know. And then what Sarah Jane said is you should be able to read the Bible through it. I found yeah. that so poetic, that <laughs> contrast. The, one of them is like, so you can see the roses. And one of them says, you can see the Bible. Like that to me is, yeah. those are two ways of going through life. You know what I mean? I have wanted to do sort of like a taxonomy of queer gardeners. Um, <laughs> because you have your sort of like overall wearing like carrot grower and you have your person who's like who grows prize roses. <laughs> Brandon gives off strong prize rose vibes for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and his strudel. So he makes a spinach. Uh, I think it's like a three cheese and and walnut strudel, and it's that sounds it sounds delicious. Um, uh, sweet strudels are delicious, and that's kind of what I'm more familiar with from like childhood. So my reaction when they you know announced what the showstopper is was like, oh, I love strudel, but I thought about it, and what I mean by that is like the kind you get at you know the Great Canadian Superstore or like Costco <laughs> or something like that. You know, like these or the airport. That was the other thing. The, the kind of strudel you get at the airport, these like mass produced you know blocks with or the gas station. That's the other place I get strudel. <laughs> Gas station strudel. That was what I was thinking of. That's always filled with like cherry pie filling or apple pie filling. Yeah. Um, That's what I meant. And I think the one that was closest to that was James. But the ones I wanted to eat were all the savory ones. Like I wanted to eat Brendan's and Catherine's and Danny's, um, which all had, you know, vegetables and cheese in them because their pastry looked really good. It like flaked so well when they 
you know, when Paul whacked them, you could tell yeah. from the way the flakes <laughs> come off, like that looked great. And then the fillings were really solid, you know, like you could see, oh, like, like Danny's, the potatoes looked really appealingly solid. They you know did, what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, oh, that's the right texture for a potato, you know, like they're holding their shape, but like the way they cut it just, yeah. So I was surprised that the savory, the savory ones look so good. And then James is, was like the closest to what I was imagining. Like it's closest to my ideal airport gas station strudel. Uh, but of course it was super, super wet, which. It looked very unappealing. Yeah. He said his girlfriend said it looked like a bit of sick when he made it at home. <laughs> I think that's when you'd, you should like pivot your filling approach. Well, um, it was this one he tried he tried to get raisins to save it, right? Like he he pierced a bunch of raisins and was like, maybe they'll absorb the liquid for me. <laughs> right? I feel like that's wishful thinking on his part. But yeah, no, he did say that and then he should like it cut the shot cuts to like a, a smattering of raisins on top. It's like, oh, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. Um, Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane makes a sweet strudel with sour cherries and ricotta and sour cherries and ricotta sounds like a, a, a good mix. Um, but yeah, Paul does that thing where he picks up her strudel and he like grabs, twists and like whacks it against the board yeah. and then like she goes and she shows Catherine <laughs> She shows Catherine how to do it, and Catherine accidentally flings hers halfway across the room. Yes. And she has that, like, iconic moment, like, I can't serve Mary Berry bits of green. Well, it's because, okay, it's because uh, I think it's Danny and Sarah Jane who tell her, like, oh, it can, it can be, you know, maybe it can be salvaged. Maybe you can pick off the carpet bits or something like that. Um, and she's like, no, I can't do that. But it was amazing to me that they even raised that possibility at all. You know, yeah. that the show didn't make her throw it out. It's not like, yeah. you know, there wasn't a dramatic clang of music and the producers rushing out and, like, forcing her to trash it. It was like... It's up to you. Are you going to serve very, very carpet? (laughs) (laughs) She also, I feel like you kind of get a moment here where you get to see Catherine's personality because Sarah Mm. Jane is so anxious that Catherine's going to be mad at her now and Catherine kind of like ribs her about it and, but it's like super good natured, super good natured about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, uh, it's not Sarah Jane's fault at all. And she remakes her pastry and then just kind of goes ahead. And she ends up with one of the better ones, like very flaky pastry. She does a good job with it. She does. She does. It's it's Sarah Jane who has the... No. Who has the really, really thick one that looks like a tortilla? I think it is Sarah Jane. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. No, no, you're right. You're right. It is Sarah Jane I was thinking of. Um, So she mentions basting it with butter every 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just, it's so thick. It looks like uh, Fritos. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Frito, you know, like, it's they're so thick and so yellow. Uh, and they curl in that particular way. They look like, they, it looks like Fritos. <laughs> um, you know what snack I saw in the dollar store when I was picking up plant pots the other day that I had, like, totally forgotten existed? Um, I saw bugles on the shelf, like as an impu- mm. in the impulse buy area, and I had yeah. completely forgotten that those existed. Anyway, bugles and Fritos are the same, are in the same like category of snack in my head. They're both a little too salty for me, but nothing is too salty for me. I also love, hi- <laughs> love uh, hickory sticks, which are just like oh, it's just uh, like a bag of salt. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, but that's, yeah, all of those things you named, that's, that's what her pastry looked like. We have not yet talked about something that is, that happens in this yes. showstopper that is yes. somewhat, you know, it's a departure. Um, at the, be- at pretty much close to the beginning of the showstopper, um, John reaches into his food processor Mm-hmm. And he nicks his finger on the blade. Food processor blades are so sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put he puts a glove on and he keeps working. But then as he's rolling his strudel out, it kind of like exacerbates the wound. And he like yeah. lifts his hand up and all of a sudden there's just blood streaking out of his glove. Yeah. It's because it was like and- all the stretching of the dough, right? It, it sort of just stretched out the wound too. Yeah, and he, it was his dominant hand, probably, so mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do with your non-dominant hand. Like, your dominant hand is, like, leading all of that work. So uh, Danny attends to his wound and sends him off to the doctor and kind of takes charge of the situation. She's just like, you're not worrying about your strudel now. You have to go to the doctor. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a little sneak peek of the, the, like, house that is on the property that they are... That they have, like, marquees set up on the lawn, mm-hmm. which is interesting. You know, it was all over sort of faster than I expected and faster than I remembered, you know? Because this is such a huge moment. Like, it is very, it's a very memorable thing to have happened. It changes the whole structure of the competition. Um, mm-hmm. And it is an inherently extremely dramatic thing. His glove fills with blood. I do feel like, like, if it were any other show, you would feel like they kind of just blew past it. You know, they were like, yes, this happened. Like, we're going to move on. We're going to keep focusing on the bake. Um, the other thing is, so at, so in this episode, because there's so few of them, they did these kind of recaps of how everyone's done so far uh, at the very beginning during the signature. Uh, and I was thinking that put all together this way, uh, I sort of like John less <laughs> or like the or the, the things they chose to focus on um, in, his, in the signature when they when Paul said that his cake was like card and he said well that's a bit harsh isn't it and Paul said no honestly uh and then in this one after he cut his finger and he said he was obviously you know understandably very upset but he said like I know my strudel was gonna be really good I had the thought that he's like if Stuart was good (laughs) like if Stuart were a good baker like if Stuart had the skills to back up that arrogance he'd be kind of like John and 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 the net effect of putting all these things together was like, I liked John less. I've always felt a little bit like that about John. I don't, I think that I'm probably just naturally drawn to people who aren't, it's like confidence with like a slight arrogance, right? I don't like the arrogance part of it. He doesn't take criticism well, or he's surprised by criticism. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, like when he gets criticism, there's a moment of shock, uh, and his instinct is defensive. Uh, and again, because he's a very skilled baker, I feel like that doesn't come across as negatively as it did mm. with Stuart, who wasn't doing so well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, but it is, it is off-putting. It is off-putting, especially in montage. You know, like they pointed out all these these conversations he'd had with Paul that were like that, where, you know, Paul said, "Would you, you know, like like last week we talked about how his." Uh, his pie had with like way too much going on and he, his defense was like, well, that's an American pie. Um, yeah. And then they showed him with the, his breeze block cake and them saying that and he was like, <laughs> oh, you know, I wanted it to be big and imposing and blow. You know, like he's, his, his impulse is defensive and like 
he's surprised by criticism. And I do think that's an off-putting quality. Yeah. I think James is surprised. to. I don't think he's been in the bottom of, you know, he's not been bottom ranked, like, much in his life. It was interesting to see his reaction to it. Kind of just like, well, this isn't the most fun. Um, which is more endearing than than the not being able to take the criticism at all. The the funniest, uh, funniest. I don't know. It's not funny exactly. Well, whatever. James's pastry springs a leak, yes. and <laughs> Sue says strudel rupture, and then it that it reminds her of John's finger or finger earlier because the filling is red. Um, yeah, which is gross and funny but it was accurate it did kind of look like a bullet hole the, yeah. the, the in, in. okay so he looked so disheveled by the end james i think james is very cute like he's just i think he's a very good looking gentleman um and at the end of this one he just he was so like he was so red and his hair was like sticking straight out like he'd yeah. been like electrocuted <laughs> or like had gone jogging in his feral sweater and i actually I, I turned I turned to my partner JP and I said, "Who's the scientist in Back to the Future?" And he's like, oh, "Doc yeah. Brown." And Doc I was like, Brown. "That's I was like, that's what James' hair looks like." I told my kid today that her hair looked like Doc Brown's, and she woke up. It always does when she wakes up, actually, because she has like super fine hair, and I don't know. She's like doing the backstroke in her sleep, and she wakes up with this like ring of Doc Brown hair. <laughs> anyway, um. Sarah Jane cries after the judging. Um, James does have a moment where he was like, well, I was telling you guys earlier that I think that whoever had the worst strudel is going home. And I think that Sarah Jane had the worst strudel. And Mm -hmm. that I don't think is necessarily true. I think I would rather eat Sarah Jane's strudel, like thick as it is over james's strudel which looks no i disagree wet, wet as hell i disagree i would rather have james um but again you know i was i was comparing it to fritos and bugles a second ago so they they decide not to send anyone home uh sue she does this big wind up about announcing who's gonna go home and they're all like they just look a mess all of them in the room oh, everyone's yeah. eyes are like puffy and red you know like everyone is just like just emotionally so torn up and Sue gives this long preamble and then she says nobody's going home um and you know it's I'm not surprised like a lot of them just like burst into stress relief tears yeah. at that point yeah that it's there's a massive tension in the tent when they're about to announce who's going home and mm-hmm. and uh yeah you do really feel bad for everyone everyone except for Ryan like, even if they burst into tears, like, they hop up off of their stools and start, like, hugging each other. And it takes Ryan a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah. I live to see another day. Yes. And they sort of just let him compose himself alone on his stool. Yeah. Before. Brendan won and he was still crying, you know? Like, they they were yeah. all just, they were just a mess. Uh Mel says, uh, I feel drained and hysterical. Um, it's interesting. I I don't feel like this episode had the hardest bakes that we've even seen this season, but I think that it was the most emotionally taxing for them. At the beginning, they claimed that the signature was was the most difficult signature they've had so far. Um, they they said that outright. But the the other thing is, um, 
So, you know, I said at the beginning, I researched the audition process. Uh, one of the things that came up in that interview is that it's not always truly a week, like the between filming. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's like 12 days, and sometimes it's like only a day and a half. Um, oh. And that that has a lot of effect on on how tired everybody is and how like like emotional everybody is. And mm. I would not be surprised watching this one if this one like kind of came faster on the heels of the last one than usual i also like the the most recent season the pandemic season i definitely felt like the schedule was, oh, yeah. was all over the place with there like because you know they'd be wearing the same outfits and it'd be like and sometimes people just seemed so exhausted and tired and like the lighting would not conform with what they were saying had happened time wise they also sort of seem to like bond more than than usual even like like normally I think they'd be developing friendships over the course of however many weeks it is whether if it, whether it's like six or ten or whatever mm-hmm. but um but for the pandemic season it seemed like they did it in an, an abridged way and then they were all um quarantining together mm-hmm. and it also seemed like these like different relationships sprang up between the hosts and the guests. Yeah. Anyway, it was that one was an emotional roller coaster. But we are at the point in the season, in this season, season three, where where they have developed relationships, and it is like I think it is sort of sadder to see people go, um, mm-hmm. and harder because it's kind of like the end of their time together. Um, but yeah, this episode was emotionally difficult. When you mentioned that moment between uh, Sarah Jane and Catherine, where Sarah Jane was really worried that Catherine was mad at her, and then Catherine ribbed her a little bit, uh, that felt like a very genuine moment. You know, like that's how I imagine they interact in their off time. You know, like that's how they would interact on the on the train home or like sitting in that mm. inn beforehand. I also, you know, the shots of them crossing the bridge, going back and forth is it. There's such a small group of people now. You know, it used to be yeah. this big horde crossing the bridge, and now it's just like. This tiny group of emotionally strained people. Yeah. But yeah, good episode, even though, I don't know, I'd want, I want to eat a strudel. Yeah, I mean, about making strudel, like even Mary Berry says she buys the pastry. Like <laughs> yeah. Mary Berry buys the pastry, come on. The, the gas station strudels have been a pandemic casualty for me. Because <laughs> I, oh, no. I don't buy like impulse bottom basement pastries anymore. <laughs> So there's, and I don't travel, so, then, so that's where I'd get my strudels. Something to, something to look forward to when you're vaccinated. So this has been The Rough Puffs. I am Andrea Bennett. I'm Kim Fu. You can find us on Twitter at Rough Puffs or on Instagram at The Rough Puffs. Shout out to Sugar Pills with a Z for being our first iTunes review. Uh, and to Duchi Laura on Instagram for a very sweet message. Um, if you've come with us this far, if you've listened all the way to episode six, consider tweeting about the show or sharing it with a friend who loves GBBO or rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And we're really glad you're listening. Make it easy. Just keeping an easy, simple listen.